Hey, Daniel here from Markers on the Map, and this week it's our third and final Halloween special of 2020 where we take an in-depth look at Resident Evil. Plus, we've got a ton of news this week including game delays, PS Plus, and a new Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase. Follow us on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. over there. <laughs> oh, hello kitties. It's your old pal the gamekeeper here, playing a little among us with some work fiends. <laughs> I'm the imposter and it's a scream come true. <laughs> oh, I was unmuted. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> But enough fun and games, kitties. It's time to get down to business here. <laughs> Tonight's perilous playthrough is about a series seeped in survival horror. One that features oh so many iconic characters such as Thrill Valentine and Claire Deadfield. <laughs> yes, tonight's creepy chronicle starts like any other. It's a little yarn I like to call an umbrella for the undead. So, it's almost Halloween and here we are with the third and final of our Halloween specials. You want to call them trio of specials? Yeah, they're Halloween specials. I mean, episodes are a little bit longer themed a little bit, so we could call them specials. Yeah. And just because last week I forgot to do this, you're listening to Markers on the Map, a gaming adventure where old and new collide in a vast open world. We've got games and news and all kinds of spooky fun this week, but I forgot to introduce us last week. So remember, I'm Daniel, and I'm here as always with Robert, and how have you been this week, today? How's it going? Uh, This week, uh, normal, but for some reason today, I probably slept weird, so my back is killing me. How about you? The week... It has been weird. Kind of been feeling down and, you know, <laughs> it's, I think I've just got a lot on my mind about everything, but, you know, we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of stuff coming up in the next month or so. So let's get the hype back up. You know what, you know what brings me down though is I, I was at Target trying to get another bag of those white chocolate ghosts and they were out of them, which is awfully depressing here. Man, I haven't seen those. Ever since you mentioned those, I I think I went to Walmart and I was like, I'm going to find them. I could not find them. Dude, I have not seen them at Walmart this year at all, but they usually had them at Walmart. But uh, Target's been out. It's really frustrating. (laughs) I haven't been to Target since a couple months. A good couple months. So I wouldn't, I haven't really checked there. Which one have you been? You've been to. I've been to I've been to to both of them yeah. around here and it's really yeah you've just... you've been to the local one but you haven't been to like the outskirts ones maybe like one that's like a forty minute 
drive oh, away. Oh yeah, no, it's it's not worth it for that. <laughs> but what's your favorite Halloween candy? I've been curious about that this whole month. We forgot to discuss this. My favorite Halloween candy, by by my favorite candy in general, is is Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, so not that far off from this. Yeah, but my favorite Halloween candy because a lot of people don't like this candy. At least from what I know, you know, personal friends and from family, they don't like uh, Butterfingers. And I I love Butterfingers. You know, I think they changed something about the Butterfingers because I don't think Nestle, like, manufactures them anymore. But I really miss the Butterfinger cups because they had the taste of Butterfinger, but the more of a consistency in line with the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. They used to have... um, Butterfinger cup skulls at Halloween, and I don't think they've had those in the past two years because I haven't been able to find them. Uh, I've never had the cups. I just had the regular Butterfingers. One time they um had like a spicy uh, Butterfinger cup that spicy? was like yeah it had like some I'm, I'm sort of spicy. spicy. Yeah, I I found it at a supermarket once, and I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. It wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. Was it like cinnamon flavored, like that kind of spicy, or was it legit like? A no, spice like from a spicy chili. pepper. What the? Okay, and it was a Butterfinger Cup product. It was a limited edition or something. Okay, that took. I just took me back. I legit like looked all weird because I'm like spi- I don't know how would. Sp- I guess I'll show you after the after we record. It's <laughs> it was a trip. <laughs> Halloween's almost here, and we've been kind of doing this whole saga of Halloween episodes and specials. So tonight we're gonna talk a little about. Uh, Resident Evil, but much to our surprise, there has been an absolute megaton of news this week, so let's get right into it, alright? We start with Destruction All-Stars getting delayed until February, and now you might think that that's, you know, a bummer or whatever, but they're actually giving it to us for free on PS Plus. I mean, look at Fall Guys, that game was free. Mm-hmm. and it's the most downloaded playstation plus game uh it needs this type of like uh i guess light or uh, publicity like yeah it's being delayed but think about it like this demon souls and spider-man are coming out and i think those are like the two juggernauts of the ps5 launch yeah this would be good for the game because at this point all the rest of the games it'll just be buried and also like yeah Releasing something like a, a multiplayer-centric game like Destruction All-Stars around the console launch when you've got so many things contending with each other. Meanwhile, in February, there's not a lot of games coming out, that's, as far as we know, for, for PS5 in February. I'm sure there will be some. But um, having it released like this, not only that, giving us a $70 uh, multiplayer game. Remember, Fall Guys was $20. Destruction All-Stars is a $70 game. And then at the same time, yeah... Things like Watch Dogs Legion, which just came out, are going to get buried amongst Assassin's Creed or Immortals or, um, you know, the PS5 exclusives that are coming out. So you, it's it's a pretty, like, safe and strategic move to release Destruction All-Stars uh, in February. Yeah, it also gives them maybe time to add or to get rid of things that they may have not liked or, like I said, fix some things that they've would say they would release a patch for it but now they have a bit of time just to be like maybe we can fix that one bug that we were going to patch for it day one but now we can just actually make it the standard in the game yeah it just feels like this was a game i was very interested in and i'm really interested in it but i wasn't going to drop the 70 dollars on it at launch with spider-man and godfall 
you know, some people are going to go for Sackboy or Demon's Souls. And then there's the Ubisoft games. There's Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, um, Immortals. So there's just a lot of stuff coming out. So a delay is fine. But something else got delayed that's been delayed and delayed and delayed. And I'm talking, of course, about Cyberpunk delayed after going gold. <laughs> Bruh, uh, I'll... I'll... I guess I'll say it's really a joke at this point. That it's basically like Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> it's been delayed for so long, and it went gold. So there are there's physical versions of it's out there. Yeah, the thing we're thinking is that this is probably having to do with the current gen versions. Mm-hmm. I think from this past year, year and a half's worth of trailers for um, Cyberpunk, we have kind of assumed this probably wouldn't run great or perfectly on ps4 and the xbox one so i'm assuming that maybe incorrectly that this is a an issue with the current gen versions i think it i think it's not current gen because i guess when you take into consideration current gen it would be the pro and the one x but i feel like obviously it's the launch title consoles that are like i yeah i see them struggling because like i said they don't want it to be two completely different different games i guess different experiences you don't want one game to be slow or have different low times or low you know those mechanics where they make you walk through a long tunnel because they're realistically like downloading and the other textures for the other side of the map and then obviously for ps5 and even the uh, pro and like all that will be running really quick hitting the high 40s and 60s in some occasions yeah it's just it'll come out at some point but Man, it's it feels like a, I mean it's like Final Fantasy fifteen getting delayed all the time, and the the whole thing with the cross gen is like maybe it shouldn't have been a cross gen game. I kind of feel this way about Avengers because Avengers performance on on current consoles isn't great either. So I think cross gen is turning into an issue for some people, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I mean the game comes out in December unless it gets delayed again, which I mean. It's been delayed after it went gold. I, I, I'm not gonna. Nobody hold your breath, okay? <laughs> it, it's it's a very bad way to, I guess, produce a game and then keep delaying it because you're just gonna build up this hype. And for people who really want to play it and they be dedicated to it, and they're not gonna give up on it, but once they get it, it's not what they expect it to be. It's gonna be a very big disappointment. Yeah, let's let's hope it reviews well. I don't wish bad yeah. on any yeah. on any game. Let's hope it reviews well. Um, speaking of delays, the train keeps going. Far Cry Six and Rainbow Six Quarantine have been delayed to after April twenty twenty one. I think it's a good move because Ubisoft has so much stuff coming out in the next couple weeks that Watch Dogs mm-hmm. Legion, which came out today, I believe, is going to get kind of buried in all the Assassin's Creed hype and the Immortals hype and whatever else they got coming out. Uh, Riders Republic. I think that's in February, though. But yeah, you don't want to have too many things releasing so close to another that, that everything starts to get kind of jumbled up. Yeah, I feel like we have... Uh, Watch Dogs. Assassin's Creed is their biggest title. Yeah. We have the Prince of Persia remake coming out next year, pretty early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Pilgrim's getting a release during the holidays. It's a lot of things that are coming out for Ubisoft. So it, it's like I said, you don't want to release so much where things will just get buried. You want things to have their chances. You want things to have their own month or week or whatever you want to do with it. I feel like obviously a month 
is great for a game because it, it's, they could just talk about it and people can buy it for that whole month and not just buy one game one week and then buy another game and then there's another game but the, obviously some people may not want to do that because obviously they have two games to play or they don't they just don't have it like that and obviously they can only realistically focus on one game so it's better just to plan out your games monthly than i would say dropping it a whole holiday season not to mention sony's first party titles are gonna do really well over the holiday season and you know i don't think ubisoft wants to have so many games releasing close enough to compete with spider-man demon souls even even third-party games like Godfall are starting to get a lot of traction. And then Sackboy for the younger audience or people who are into platformers and everything actually looks really good. I mean, this Assassin's Creed game is going to be huge, I'm sure. So give people that breathing space. So we know Destruction All-Stars is coming to PS Plus in February. But you might be asking, what about November? Well, November's PS Plus is giving us the sequel to Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. Um, I've never played that, so it should be good. I, I can recommend the original because it was very interesting. We're also getting Hollow Knight, the beloved uh, 2D Metroidvania Souls-like game. But if you have a PS5, you're getting an extra special treat on top of that. You're getting, for free, Bug Snacks. How you feel about Bug Snacks? Like, coming free for the first month of PS5? Put it this way, I probably wouldn't have bought it. In, unless it was on sale or something so I, i've always been intrigued by it so yeah I'm, I'm glad we're getting it for free that's very exciting for me actually i was interested in it but i don't know if it was gonna drop i would say that i guess the 70 bucks for it no no i think it might have been 30 it was gonna be a digital only title at 30 i think okay as I say, if it was like 70 i probably would have skipped on it i was interested in it but now i guess you could say bucksnack will be my first ps5 game yeah you i mean just say that i'll play it for sure maybe if the trophy list is cool i'll even plot it i still i still say it's a survival horror it's secretly a survival horror it has to be speaking of trophies did you see that they updated the playstation app and they added new um new look for all the trophies and everything the platinums look different now i haven't gotten the update but i have seen videos from their twitter account showing the new update for the app yeah the the platinum trophies look really cool now i'm very impressed with that and now your your PS app shows you like stats for trophies and everything. I really like the it, it looks a lot nicer now. It's not just a plain like screen. It's probably updated to be more in line with the PS5 UI. I'm still a little upset that they got rid of the Vita PSP and like PS3 content. But Oh yeah, on the store. Yeah, I, I'm a little upset by that, but it's whatever. I, I still have those consoles, so I can still access those games if I want to. Yeah. Um and on that note little bit of quick news here before we get into the surprise Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase yesterday. Star Wars Squadrons is getting a a light little content update. I guess it actually dropped yesterday because The Mandalorian is premiering on Friday the 30th, which is tomorrow. And they added little Mandalorian items that you can put into your ship. So if you want a Baby Yoda uh, toy in your ship, you can have it and stuff like that. So... Nice little free content update, even if there's no new maps, which crossing fingers for the future here. <laughs> I mean, this, like I said, this is pretty good because like I said, as long as the game gets enough support, I, obviously it's one of those games that probably thought like, well, we'll release it and if it gets support, we'll do things with it. We'll add DLC. So I feel like this is what it is. It's getting a lot of support and a, and a pretty good fan base where they're adding little things here and there and see where it goes on from there. They are 
they have it on sale this week too for ten dollars off and i think black friday sales at best buy or something might have it for for less than that so hopefully it kind of the player base doesn't dwindle out completely but you know when there's not something to strive for all the time games tend to like lose a lot of the player count so crossing fingers for content um we have a few other things we have no man's sky getting that ps5 upgrade that we we basically called like what a month and a half ago yeah there is no way that game was not going to get an update i think it's it might, I don't know exactly when it's coming. It might be coming day and date with PS5, but it's got updated textures, 4K, 60 frames, faster loading times, more advanced looking planets and foliage and all that. It looks really good. I mean, uh, the loading times in No Man's Sky are not great, so if you can reduce those to a fraction, then it's sounding like a great time to hop back in. Oh, yeah. I think my main problem with this current generation i'm it just i can't sit there and watch a whole loading screen for a minute and do that each time it i really want these next consoles because i don't want one minute long loading screens i want like five second ten seconds loading screens it's like you've dealt with it for seven years but now that you've seen the future you want it yeah it's like the technology's there and it's like a couple weeks away it's like two weeks away so it's like i can hold off those two weeks i've been playing recently honestly like ps2 games but like on my ps3 because the load time is like quick that's what i want i think load times are a thing of the past because i don't think nobody wants to have like full minute load times anymore yeah. it's just a, it's just a problem because examples like you load from one area and then you gotta load to another real quick it's another minute so that's two minutes already it's gonna be a thing of the past they showed some godfall gameplay where the load time was like uh, two seconds maybe after you died because they said they want you to get back into the to the action of godfall so with a game that looks that good having that good at load times demon souls of course having talked about new features in demon souls today and how the remake works and what they did and didn't do and how they got uh, miyazaki's blessing to work on a demon souls remake those load times are almost non-existent so and with a game that looks as next gen as the demon souls remake i mean that's got to be the best graphics we've seen on the ps5 so far oh yeah so load times thing of the past actually this was a good time to bring up because i was talking about ps5 but series x is going for a similar thing but there's always xbox series x and series s so i was thinking just just came to mind last night and i we should just call it the series People will know what yeah. we're talking about. Like, we say the PS5 in the series. <laughs> yeah, I think if you try to say Xbox Series X each time... You start tripping you, over your I'm going to confuse it. Yeah. I'm going to confuse it for the one. I'm going yeah. to say... I've said it before, I, and I caught myself a couple occasions, but I've had said, like, Xbox One X, but I'm like, I mean Series X. Yeah. So, Siege is doing a Halloween event this week, right? Yes. They're doing a whole Halloween event up to November 9th, I believe. Maybe the 5th. But... Uh, their Halloween event is somewhat of a satire of Halloween events. It's not really like spooky, scary. It's more of just like a weird trip. But it's it is in uh it is involved in the Halloween season because a character uh by the name of Frost uh mentions that Halloween was her favorite holiday, but that her mom says if she eats too much candy on Halloween she'll have like nightmares. So the premise of the game is that Frost ate too much candy. And so she falls asleep, and then the other characters are trapped in her uh, nightmare of a dream. And what's weird is not like your standard siege game mode, because obviously 
uh, I've told you before, Siege is a one-life thing where if you die, you have to wait till the next round to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a TDM infinite respawn mode. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's you. there's no one-life thing you can respawn as much time. It's basically a kill confirm where if you uh, down a character and also they have to wait till the respawn, they drop a piece of candy and then you have to collect the candy, such as like with Call of Duty and a lot of other uh, first-person shooter games with uh, kill confirm. They drop like a dog tag or like a skull symbol. You pick it up to get the points. Same thing with this. First people, first team to get to 50 wins the game, or obviously the time runs out. Whoever has the most points win. Hmm. So I could go in a lot more, but this is going to be a quick thing. But maybe one day, or bring this topic back up. Maybe Siege needs a, a TDM mode that's infinite respawns as like a casual thing. It's pr- Sounds pretty good, honestly. Like having a having a casual mode like that in for people reminds me of. I mean, Ubisoft is good at these little holiday events and modes. Uh, they did uh, the Star Wars thing in For Honor a while back. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, Ubisoft seems like they're pretty good at keeping up with special holiday events and all that. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, catch is about this one. I forgot to mention it. They're uh, puppets in the game mode. Ah. They look like a. Uh, Oh, they look like uh, puppets. The and characters? It's only a certain, yeah, only a certain amount of characters are in. They couldn't get, obviously, every character, but all the characters have unique puppet skins, and you can unlock them and all that. But uh, maybe it's a different topic for another episode. But, yeah, uh, Siege has their Halloween event, limited time, until, like, I'll look it up, but probably, like, November 6th or something like that. Mm-hmm. So around the time Borderlands 3's Halloween ends. Yeah, I think it's the same time, actually. Yeah. A um, few other little bits here. Temtem, that Pokemon game. Well, not a Pokemon game. It's like a Pokemon game um, that I've been really interested in since it went into early access on PC is launching on December 8th for PS5. I think it's $37. I'm really excited for that. I mean, it might just be me, but I saw that and I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. Oh, there's shiny Temtems and all that. So I don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> you got to get the shinies. I mean, you're always into get, collecting the shinies, whatever, no matter what it is. If there was a shiny, like, Digimon, oh, I think yeah. you'd be on that. I mean, I've been playing Crown Tundra on Pokemon Shield, and I'm already going for a shiny Aaron because he looks really cool and he's got red eyes. So I've, like, a couple hours into doing that, just put on a podcast or something and, or some music and go for it. It's very tranquil, I would say. We've also got some new Final Fantasy 16 news that came out today. There's new little informational bits about the story and some of the new characters, some of the main characters you'll see. They opened up a little teaser site and they said that our next big event for Final Fantasy 16 will be in 2021. So we will always try and keep on top of that. So yeah, there was a Switch Partner Direct showcase yesterday. Um, it's They said it's their final one of the year. I don't know if this means a general direct is still coming. I mean, people will always say it is, and there will always be rumors, you know, from listening to the show. Um, <laughs> um, I won't touch on everything in the Direct. They announced some new games and everything. Uh, but the big ones were um, Immortals got a got a quick little look. Um, still amazes me that a Ubisoft open world like that is coming to Switch. So we'll see how it runs on there. But it's a very Breath of the Wild-esque um bravely default 2 that game that got announced back in march i think has a release date finally for february 26th which is good because i don't think i can handle a a long form turn-based rpg um in the holiday season right now with everything coming out 
but the bigger news here was on No More Heroes 3, where we've got more information coming next year. But they released the first two out of nowhere on the eShop last night. And I guess they're fully, like, they've got full motion controls and all that. Everything from the Wii version. So I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, that's that's pretty cool, actually. I feel like No More Heroes is that, is that game time. It's like, I would say it's like the Haunted Mansion where there's, it's really good and surprising how good it actually is. It just doesn't you know get as much love as maybe some other ips but i think it's one of those solid games that if you play it it's going to be a good time it's not going to be like a weird type of experience game it's going to be one of those where it's like yeah this is a solid game and it does have a solid fan base so i'm happy to see it on uh, the switch and surprising that it just dropped too yeah it's one of those janky kind of really cool looking weird games like deadly premonition you just can't help but love them in addition to the no more heroes news uh, we got a demo for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. That's like, Nintendo's been on a roll with these demos lately. They've been giving like really long demos. It took me about an hour and 15 minutes to beat the demo for Hyrule Warriors. And like, I really think that they've outdone themselves because a lot of my gripes with that series, with things taking long or having to scroll through a bunch of stuff are kind of mitigated with this. Um, controlling your character or giving orders is moving a cursor on the screen now instead of trying to find the right grid space to to move them to so if you're at all interested in high warriors age of calamity they've got a really nice demo two full levels um and pigment three for that matter had like a hour and a half long demo and usually you find the demos are like 10 minutes but nintendo's been really good about demos lately carry your save over to the game when you get it and all that stuff what's a good demo for you as a quick question is like what do you think is actually a really good i know there's some demos that don't do justice to the game and there's some demos that you're like i don't know why that was part of the demo well this age of calamity demo is really good i think it perfectly encapsulates what the game is going to be how it'll play it gives you three playable characters it gives you two missions with varying objectives but other demos that have been good are like the old uh omega ruby alpha sapphire demo that was a separate story kind of from the main game but gave you a taste of what pokemon is like if you haven't played it also gives you a special pokemon to transfer over to the game when you got it okay so a lot of good demos from nintendo it's not like those old like i don't know there's some ps3 demos that were like 10 minutes long and it's like do you really get a taste of the game from from 10 minutes i mean you might get a little like snippet but Two full levels that take about 20 minutes is always cool. Yeah, that could be a whole other topic, but I just wanted to see how... I mean, if they're killing on the demos, that's pretty good, because I think like something that can help a game is a good demo. Oh, yeah. I think this Pikmin and Calamity uh, demos are, are going to help, definitely. Yeah, because if you're interested, if you see a demo, it's like, yeah, I'm going to try it out. And if you like it, it'll be more an incentive to buy the game if you like the demo. And since your progress carries over, it's not like you have to replay it if you don't want to. I mean, they did it earlier in the year with the Mystery Dungeon game, and I just picked up when the game came out from my demo, and everything was good. So they announced Hitman 3 was coming to the Switch, and also Control Ultimate Edition, which is crazy. But then you remember, back in other territories, they had Assassin's Creed Odyssey on the Switch and Resident Evil 7. And the way that you're able to play these on the Switch is through like a cloud stream thing, kind of like a Luna or a Stadia almost. So 
cool, but at the same time, I feel like this is like the the nuclear option for buying control. If you have any other console that can play control, I don't know if buying it on the Switch and streaming it would be good unless you had a very reliable connection. Yeah. Last big news story of the week happened this morning. Borderlands 3 news. So, Borderlands 3 is getting two new editions. It's getting a next level edition, which is the next gen edition. And it's getting the ultimate edition, which comes with literally everything, including both season passes. So we know about skill trees and stuff, but two informational pieces that came out today that were shown. First up, the final form cosmetics. I believe we talked about this on the show last week where we're saying we hope there's new clothes for the characters. Well, (laughs) I've been advocate of the whole... I, I I like the headgears and I like the skins as like the colors, but I wish there were uh, different clothing items. Like I said, flak without a different coat on or this and that. I've, I don't know what episode it was, but we've had mentioned it before. Well, boy, do I have some great news <laughs> for you because these are the new, not just new clothes. These are new character models and they're really cool. They are some of the best. I like the Moe's one. I like, I like the, the Moe's one, one too. It's awesome. Uh, Zane has like a zero headgear yeah. so it makes sense though because he's the assassin of the group and then on top of that any of the old heads work with the new character models but I'm hoping they also have a bunch of new heads because customizing my Borderlands character is something that I always enjoy doing especially in this one because it has a lot of the features that weren't in two that were in one and like changing the colors of individual pieces that's all back here so That's a cool little thing that they're adding. Another thing we've been asking for in Borderlands is like a randomized roguelike mode, almost. Yeah. And, well, boy, do I have some news for us. Because we've been saying something like this should be in the game for months. And it just seems like this wish fulfillment designer's cut DLC is taking it, like, somebody must have heard us. Like, somebody (laughs) must be listening to us when we play Borderlands, because this um, arms race mode is really cool. It is a... It takes place on Pandora in more of the Borderlands 2 ice-based areas. It's hosted by Axton and Salvador. And this is a roguelike mode of Borderlands. You go in, you have no level, you have no um, guardian rank, or... I don't... Yeah, you don't have any skill tree. You go in, you have no gear... You have a boss to defeat. You go through, much like a roguelike, collecting gear as you go. So this gives you a chance to actually use some of those white, green, blue, and purple weapons. And then yeah. you can find little boxes that let you send gear to to your file. Um, and yeah, man, it's supposed to take like 25 minutes per run. You go through a gauntlet, randomized enemies and encounters in this big area and then you end up fighting a boss at the end and it's just like it feels like everything i've always wanted from borderlands and the fact that it gives us the chance to be able to use some of the weapons we would never use when all our items are orange is just really cool but this i think i said this earlier today i texted you this uh we're being spoiled Oh, yeah. uh, this month, I don't know what it is, but the end of this month, and just I think this whole year of gaming, it's been pretty good. We're being mega spoiled with this. I feel like Borderlands Three had the potential, and I feel like they are taking that potential to the next level yeah. because 
once you play Borderlands 2 for so long and you're doing the same thing over again, that was fun for 2, but for 3, it just felt like I wish there was something else. Like, Proving Grounds. or Like, Proving Grounds were cool, but I wish they added way more. This, I think, is the answer to that. I, it's something different and new that I haven't even tried yet. I know you probably tried it with different games. Oh, yeah. Roguelikes are... I play a lot of roguelikes, even though I'm not great at them. They said this won't be, like, that level of difficulty. Like, this will be manageable. Higher than the base game, less than a takedown. And you start with, you know, basic white weapons and go to green and all that. All I have to say is that uh, I'm happy and I'm looking forward to this. I think they're spoiling us with Borderlands 3 because who gets... I mean, there's never been a Borderlands 3 with the Season 2. Oh, yeah, definitely. One other thing to note is that there is mayhem damage modifiers if you want on arms race um even though certain effects aren't there i guess the damage input will increase and um on the stream where they were talking about it they said that any xp you earn in arms race should transfer over to your character so you can go into arms race at any level because you're all starting on the same even playing ground basically you have no level or stats, basically, in Arms Race. It is a completely unique experience every time, just like a roguelike. I think the one thing that makes me upset is when there's levels that makes you not be able to play with your friends. I mean, with Genshin Impact, I, I wanted to play with my friends, but I had to reach, like, level 16. Mm-hmm. And that kind of bothers me because, like, well, in Borderlands, and I love that they did this now, is that you can yeah, actually have your level 1 friend play with your level 65 friend and it wouldn't be no difference yeah so that's borderlands 3 news there seems like there's been a lot of that lately and we we finished our uh halloween event the loot ghosts were a bit of a pain this year but we did it we got all new stuff so oh yeah keep putting out that content gearbox and we'll keep playing it i'm hoping godfall is just as engaging as, as borderlands it seems like they're putting a lot of effort into it just to keep on gearbox for a second like everything looks really nice like looking at a screenshot of godfall is like looking at a bag of skittles it's just so colorful and everything pops and i'm just hoping it has that lasting feel yeah i'm kind of tired of these like dull color like browns and grays like games i think brightness and being very colorful it's something about being colorful and such a i guess dilapidated like area like think about it like in god of war like you're on like places where there's destruction and all that but it's still colorful oh yeah so it's like it's great but it it, you still get that feeling of this is not like a peaceful place but it's still a colorful place that is like pretty to your eyes it's not just like a gray brown color yeah bring on the color all right now for the nintendo direct rumor this week wait where's the nintendo direct rumor this week gamekeeper we'll be back in a second Hello again, kitties. Tonight's Nintendo Direct rumor is for a little game called The Legend of Zelda Link's Nightmare. Our heroes trapped in a vicious world one could only scream of in this new 3D roguelike spin-off. Survive realm after realm of ferocious zombies, demons, and creatures from beyond as you collect, upgrade, and unravel the mysteries that lay within. Travel to previously unseen locales from the Nintendo world, crossovers with famous villains like Bowser and Dementio. Yes, kiddies, 
the games bringing back some of the biggest and best villains from gaming obscurity in a story mode that'll have you shivering in fear over who'll show up next. <laughs> Collect soul points from massive boss encounters that'll let Link upgrade his armor, weapons, and enchantments. But if you lose, you're back at the beginning. The weakest link, if you will. <laughs> Countless hours of replayability and more deaths than your average Dark Souls makes this upcoming Switch exclusive a terrifyingly good time if you can handle the thrills and the chills. <laughs> now, back to the show. All right, then. This week, like we said, we are talking about the Resident Evil series. This is a series that has been around since the 90s on just about everything. I don't know how many Resident Evil games there are in total, but it's got to be like 40. I mean, off the back, think about like the first one, two, a nemesis, Code Veronica, zero. I mean, that's just still early on, so yeah, somewhere around the ballpark of 40. There's a outbreak. There is Raccoon City. Raccoon City. The Revelations. Revelations yes. to uh, Mercenaries. There's a version of Resident Evil for the Nintendo DS. I think they re-released the first one on the the old DS back in like 2004, yeah. 2005. So, yeah, this is a series that is very long running. It's very iconic. It's the it's probably the survival horror series that most people think of when they think of survival horror. And just, I mean, to think it almost went too far a while back. It almost it almost kind of imploded from as far as we can tell. We'll get to that. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about all of them because we'd be here for seven hours. We are going to, however, start by saying neither of us have beaten... I've tried the first one. Have you ever tried the first one? I've never. I don't own any version of it. I don't even own like the remake, but that one should be like pretty easy to find. Yeah, it, they gave it on PS Plus one time, Resident Evil One remake, and this is considered to be one of survival horror's greatest achievements. The Resident Evil One remake. Problem is, I can't get into it because the fixed angle thing doesn't really work for me. So maybe one day when I'm feeling a little patient, I can give it another go. But I've given it plenty of goes and i just can't get into the whole fixed angle thing yeah i think in my opinion the only two games that i could play to this day with a fixed camera angle is just like the first two Metal Gear solid games yeah. even like three i have it for the ps2 and the original was a fixed camera angle and i'm so happy that they did do a third person for like the special edition of it because i mean yeah it's fun it's still a fun game but yeah that game needed a third person angle and not the fixed camera yeah, so we're not knocking the first Resident Evil. We no. just can't. It's hard for us to handle, I think, the fixed angles. It's like, it's the, it's the whole, like, loading time now. Like, that's a thing of the past. Yeah. Where it may not be a problem back in the day, but since everything's, like, evolving, things are getting new, that now load times is, I feel like it's a new fixed camera angle where, you know, it's just the product of the time. So yeah, we'll be on to new, better things. And we are. So we'll get to those in a while. We'll we'll get on to the games that used to have fixed camera angles. But yeah. we're going to start here with Resident Evil 4. 
Resident Evil 4 is the one that everybody likes. Am I right to assume this? I think, I mean, if it's put out, I, I would say it's even, if you get, if you have like those refrigerators that have a screen on it, I don't doubt there's a Resident Evil 4 version for that. Oh, like, like. It's the, put on like every console. Yeah. Like the fridge that can play Doom. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's out for everything. So Resident Evil 4 was originally a game that turned into Devil May Cry. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was Mikami that came and did the real Resident Evil 4, which was a GameCube game, or at least it was made for the GameCube, originally released on a GameCube. Yeah, this is the end-all, be-all, usually shows up in your top 10 game of all time lists for people, but I'm, like, lukewarm to it. I've played it with updated controls that aren't tank controls. I've played it on the PS4. I've actually played it on the Wii. I've played it on the GameCube and all that too, but I've only ever beaten it on the PS4 because the controls were, you know, updated. It's fine. I know we might get flack for not loving Resident Evil 4. I think it's just fine. My problem with Resident Evil 4, I played it. My major problem with it is I don't like the shooting mechanic of it. That's my biggest problem. The I standing think, still? Yeah, I don't like the whole standing still. Okay, that's kind of a product of the older Resident Evils, though. That's, like, there in, in a lot of them. Yeah, like, Resident Evil 2, where you can still aim but still move, that's, like, amazing, because I feel like that's just, like, it's a product of the time, but... Yeah. I don't Updated, know. I just feel modernized. Like Resident Evil 4 was that turning point where they should have they should have had it. Like, I feel like with 1, 2, and 3, it made sense, because it's a product of the time, but with 2, it's just, like... Or with 4, it's just, like... It should have had a somewhat of a movie mechanic when you're still aiming down sight to, like, I guess shoot the zombies. But that's my only problem with it. And I would also say I'm not really a fan of the whole crazy, like, weird things that happen in that fourth one. Okay, see, that's a strong point for a lot of people because people remember the village in the beginning and all the weird stuff that... And then you might forget or might not know because it's not shown a lot that it turns into this whole nightmare castle like under siege thing with like all sorts of like insane things that happen it's it's really just like it go it kicks beyond a hundred percent about the the one-third point of the game i feel like since the new one village is coming out i think that's what four wanted to be oh yeah because i see like it looks like werewolves it looks like vampires it just looks like this whole castle like cult thing i feel like that's what four wanted to be originally i know four like i said one of them was turned out to be like devil may cry four went through a lot of changes even to the end point where it wasn't be like a whole castle but then they decided to have the village and then i know four still has like the castle at the end and four was really the start of the action-based uh, Resident Evil, so I think it's fair to say that it was a little more action-based. There was, like, a melee attack and whatever. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting game. I just don't think it's the best game ever, and I also don't think it's the best Resident Evil. As a matter of fact, there are three Resident Evil games that I like better than Resident Evil 4. And the first one I like better than Resident Evil 4 is Resident Evil 5, which was the next game quote-unquote action more actiony resident evil you like that one? Oh, dude of of four five and six five is my favorite of those three i mean i've never played it, it I, I don't like the color of it like i said it's that whole brown. oh the colors are yeah off-putting 
um but no this was a this could be played solo or co-op and you can have two characters and whatever i just thought it was replayable i thought it was a good arcadey style resident evil it's not really scary or anything but i don't know there's always been something about resident evil 5 that i gravitated towards and like the final boss is like some kind of like chris is in a volcano or something with like wesker and it's just nuts and I think it's 5 is an easier game than I liked it a lot, but it's got mercenaries. And don't get me wrong, 4 had mercenaries, but oh, the mercenaries boy. in 5 is where everything really starts to come I know down. you do like your mercenary mode. Yeah. Mercenaries is that timed mode where you've got, you know, waves of enemies and you have to just play the game and get a score. and It's just infinitely replayable. There's tons of characters and costumes and all that. Like, if you don't want to play as Chris or Shiva, you don't have to play as Chris or Shiva. You could play as Rebecca if you want. And everyone has different loadouts and all that stuff. So, um, I don't remember too much of the plot from Resident Evil 5. I know it involved, like, Wesker and Jill and all that. But I've always been partial to it. The saving grace for 6, it was, it was a mercenary mode for you, at least. That was your favorite mercenary mode. Oh, yeah, mode. yeah. And we will get to that. But just to know... The Mercenaries for 5 kind of got spun off into a 3DS game, uh, Resident Evil The Mercenaries 3D, which kind of has similar gameplay, but was unfortunately a little disappointing for me because the game was, like, task-based. Like, you had certain missions you had to do on every level, and it wasn't really these open Mercenaries maps that you have in the other games, so... A little, a little disappointing, but I think I got it for like five dollars on on an eShop sale one time. So, but like you were saying, Resident Evil Six. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot to say about it. Yeah, first of all, man, do I not want to play this game ever again? No, I think I think a lot of people are on that same boat for that one. Yeah, this is full on shark jumped, um, shark eaten. I'll say this this tried to man oh man this game is like this is this isn't a Resident Evil game this is a third person shooter <laughs> this shark was eaten by a megalodon and then which probably was eaten by a whole another dinosaur that we probably don't even know about let's just say it's like Godzilla or something and then shot to the moon and then came back and then uh brought back mega Godzilla and it was Krieg's moon from the Borderlands DLC oh, Krieg's yeah. moon came down with the with the shark <laughs> Godzilla um yeah i don't like this one <laughs> it is i don't think i've beaten it because i just got i was so bored with it and it's just everything is this isn't resident evil for me man no i think that's was the i guess i would say that was the lowest point of the series it was yeah. no longer a scary survival horror game yeah it was a weird game that maybe would have worked for another franchise, but it just didn't work for Resident Evil. It you had like, your characters, your plot lines, and all that. But you know, you know what the real kick is here? Mercenary mode. Yes, this game your has literally mode. the best mercenaries mode in the series, and something they still haven't brought back in the newer games. Mercenaries in this game is an incredible. Like, oh my god, it's amazing! All the characters are cool. The levels are cool. The music is so dope. And, like, it's just so much fun. I probably spent, I don't know, 20 hours in Mercenaries mode on Resident Evil 6 alone. And if I were to rebuy a copy, like, say, when PS5 comes out and they're, like, $5 cheap or something, mm -hmm. 
I would buy it because Mercenaries in this game saves it from being like something I never want to look at again. I, I mean, the single player, I don't want to look at it. I just, I can't. I, I tried multiple times to play and beat this game, and it's not that it's hard or anything. It's just I just get so bored by it. But Mercenaries is so good. I think something that I think, I guess game developers in general need to understand is we get it that of a certain game is a certain story mode in it like six i don't know if they want to consider it canon anymore because i think they need to understand that as a fan base if something's bad and terrible and you don't want to make it canon anymore i don't think anyone will be upset by it it's like with seven they kind of did a reboot on the whole series it's like if they wanted to say like four happened and then five enough people like the story for five i think as a creator you're allowed to say what's canon and what's not. I don't know. I just feel like for six, do you think it should stay canon to the whole storyline? Or do you think with seven and with eight, it should be a whole reboot to the franchise? Well, I think with the two and three remakes, they're kind of retconning certain things probably with that. So, I mean, four is getting remade. Next two's to say at some point, five and six might also get remade or six as a completely different game. It feels like they're on a pathway with this, unless they stop at four. But I'm assuming five and six, maybe down the line, would get the same treatment and refinement. And if you want to rework six completely, by all means, I don't think a lot of people were were too big into it. I mean, like with the ending of seven, Chris Redfield comes at the end, right? Yeah. So I feel like they are doing somewhat of like a reboot to it because they don't mention any of the previous games until that very moment. But let's just say they say, oh, yeah, five exists, but six or anything else in that sort of maybe like a certain moment in like three that they didn't like. They're like, yeah, that's not let's you know, wreck on that or a certain moment in four. Let's wreck on that. Make it a little different for the new modern storyline. Yeah. So then tell me about Resident Evil 7. I've not played that one. And, you know, we know the reason, but go ahead and let's talk about seven a little. Uh, I remember when 7 came out as a demo, that like time demo that was like, I guess it's canon to the storyline. It's not really like part of the game demo. It's sort of a prequel into the 7th one. And then mm-hmm. obviously 7 came out and it brought back the whole survival horror because it was like first person. So I think like one of the early Resident Evils, they wanted it to be first person, but they said, no, we got to keep it traditional, you know, fixed camera angle, all this stuff like that. But with this one, I think they wanted to try something different. I feel like after 6, they wanted to try something different. So, going to first person, it does have that spooky element, such as, like, Outlast or... Oh, what was that game? What's Amnesia? that other game? Amnesia, yeah. Like, like Outlast and Amnesia are all first person horror games, so it does have that, like, creepy vibe, and you can do really cool effects with the camera, uh, like, having, I guess, pulsing blood on the side and all that. But, with 7, I just think it... It's enough to be a Resident Evil game, but also not because, like, it's nothing that we've seen before. It was a new experience, but it was still Resident Evil. So it had those weird moments that make it Resident Evil, like the monsters don't look like traditional zombies. And then the whole, like, family cult-like to it, where the family's being possessed by a weird virus. I guess they're all viruses, right? I'm thinking probably. I mean, I'm not super familiar with the plot of this one either. But um, are they even zombies in this one? Because I know in 4 and 5, they were kind of not, almost. It's like, they're zombies because they're weird. I guess the best way I can explain it is that the zombies look like 
a group a pile of worms that just pile on top of one of another and they just kind of morph into a shape of a person but uh. examples if you were to cut off their like arm it would i would say if they picked up that small uh, like piece of arm they could just reattach it and it'll just you know put it back on like something which is weird because i think the main character ethan loses an arm and then they just staple it back on that's me. It's still Resident Evil where it has those weird moments, but it's still very creepy because it's a, I would say it's an like, army of darkness moment. Yeah, because the mom. I say the mom character is probably like the creepiest one. She's like a spider lady, and it's ah. like the creepiest thing ever. She crawls in the walls, and then she pops out of nowhere. So I guess her boss battle would be the creepiest. I don't know. I really do like this Resident Evil. Like I know the reasons you don't like because it's first person. Yeah. It. it... It's it's been a it's a character focused series for me. So to have it be first person makes me feel like it's any other survival horror game. Although yeah. I'll admit I'm more interested in eight than I ever was in seven, and I just think it's because it seems like there's a bit of a focus on characters. I think with seven, the, yeah, I feel like the reason why you didn't like it so much because you don't really see good guy characters. You're the Ethan's the only like good character there. You hear like, I think it's Zoe is the daughter of the family. That's not yet infected by the virus. Or if she is hers, like suppressed somehow. And she only hear her through like phone calls and you only see her at like the very end. So I feel like with eight, you seeing a lot of characters like Chris is in it. Uh, I think it does want to make you play the eighth one. Cause I know you're interested in it and maybe you might want to, because it's going to be free for PlayStation Plus. Yeah, Plus Collection is going to have 7, so I might give it a go. Uh, It's a good go to give it just to see how it's going to line up with the 8th one. But it does have a problem where Ethan is the only character. And you don't really see any other character. You just have to fight off the family. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like I think there's moments in the game where I think Ethan like gets his leg chopped off. And then he goes and picks it up and just reattaches it. So it's like, I don't know if he's also infected by the virus. I think he is. I think that's like the whole point that he's also infected by it. But it's like, it does different things to different people. It You can go crazy and just like insane like the family. Or you could just be like conscious and see, know what you're doing. But obviously you can lose a limb and just reattach it like if it was nothing. After that, we get probably, let's, let's say it's probably not only one of the best resident evil games let's probably say that it is the best resident evil game in my opinion it's the best one and let's also go further and say that it's probably one of the best games ever made i don't know if that's saying too much but i i happen to think it's one of the best games ever made it's i i want to say i mean it's up there as survival horror game yeah it's the best one ever made because it has a suspense but also i mean talk about the hallway with the liquor that scared me because oh, it was so. Yeah. Uh, that monster scares me, and obviously, we they probably know what we're talking about. Let's just yeah. say the title. We are, of course, talking about the remake of Resident Evil Two that came out last year, two thousand nineteen. What a great game! Uh, for the price for it, it, it's worth it. It was worth every penny. Yeah. Um. So this is a full-on remake of two, third person modernized controls modernized gameplay you've got your claire a your leon a and b playthroughs everything was so well done the rpd is very realized the enemies are creepier than ever everything just it's like blows my mind at how much of a great job they did with this and if if resident evil 1 remake was like this i think it would be among the greatest um but we start with 
you know, a gentleman in a truck eating a, a main mission with cheese and mm-hmm. he goes to a gas station and then you just take off. It's Leon and you're fighting your way out of the gas station. Raccoon City's been attacked by zombies and, you know, you go to the RPD. It's like his first day on the job and this devolves from there into absolute chaos. Talk about the character. I mean, the characters are one thing. I think the villains will make this game. Oh, absolutely. You've got, first of all, you've got Mr. X. That's Mr. what I want to talk about. Yeah. Mr. X is the greatest. He is, you know, he's an annoyance in the game, sure. But you can't help but think that, man, this thing that just walks around with heavy footsteps, nothing fills you with more dread the first couple of times you're playing through than this guy coming after you, Mr. X. This giant tyrant who's who can down you in pretty much one hit. Um, you could shoot his hat off. But um, that pisses him off. Yeah, and he'll just get angrier and angrier. You might yeah. be working on a puzzle, and all of a sudden you hear, and oh, that was, like, oh, oh, I no. hated it when you're in the library part of the map, and you have to move the, like, shelves, and all you hear in the back is just the footsteps getting louder and louder, oh, and he yeah. just, like, That's the sucker part. punch you in the back. You have to move the library shelves so you can cross because the floor falls in. <laughs> it's just super funny when you i remember i seen a couple times when they move the crate right like oh yeah i just got the last one but all the administration just comes and just so, like just socks you in the back of the spine yeah Dude, and it's like the most terrifying thing ever i've platted the game so you have to play on the hardest difficulty and on the hardest mm-hmm. difficulty he is basically power walking he's running at you almost he's not like full-on running but man it- it's so fast that you have to like take a lap or two around that room before you can even manage. But uh so there's Mr. X, a real thorn in your side especially if you are playing as Leon when he makes a surprise appearance at a very annoying part towards the end of the game. Oh yeah, the plant like after you get all the plants. Yeah, because the, the plant wall. things kill you in one hit. Yeah. So you have to dodge them. Mr. X busts through the glass, and all of a sudden you've got so many things that could defeat you in one hit um, to contend with. It's just... But what a great, like, addition that was to... It's something that I don't think a lot of games make as well of use out as Resident Evil 2 Remake did. I mean, this has probably been done before, but man. I say it's top-tier remake of all remakes it did everything oh, yeah. right i don't think people complained about it so much it's because nothing was wrong with it it didn't have a weird bug it didn't have weird mechanics everything was just modern but it felt familiar it didn't feel like it was its own thing it felt like yeah this is resident evil 2 remake it's not resident evil 2 remake but it feels like a complete different game it wasn't like it went to first person i feel like it's nice how they kept it the same dna Mm-hmm. but it's just modern it's just like it's really good mechanics and i think that's what a remake should do it should obviously keep that whole nostalgia and familiar and then like you know the familiar of the like the first uh not the first but the second game but it's still like a whole new experience it's not something you just be like oh i already played the second one i don't want to play this it's like no you do want to play because it, it is something different but it's still familiar to you and then of course you've got other iconic characters showing up in it you've got g who you fight you know, on four separate occasions, you've got Ada Wong, who you play as in a in a little in a little like brief gameplay moment. Um, you play as Sherry when she's trying to hide. You've got you know you've got your annoying parts like Resident Evil games have, like the sewers. wasn't really huge on the sewers and the chess piece puzzle. 
not not the best part for me i um, mean talk about the gator though oh yeah the gator the giant gator <laughs> i w- i'm disappointed because that wasn't a boss fight oh yeah was it in the original was it a boss fight in the I original i think it was but like in this one it's like it's kind of easy to like get rid of it so it's i'm a like QTE, oh, I wish it was let's a be fight. honest it's basically yeah. a qd but um yeah there is not much wrong with this at all if if anything i'd say the low point is the chess piece puzzle on the sewers because and and really it's because i had to play it on the hardest difficulty and you know you die in like one hit and that sewer part where you have to trudge along to get to the the gates where the chess pieces are is really hard yeah um, i don't know which part you're talking about i honestly yeah the chess piece part was kind of hard because i know there's one area where you have to have one piece in to open one gate but then it closes you can't open another one so it's like you really have to figure it out the the Uh, getting there part is is the hard part the part where you're traveling through the the sewage to get there Ugh, hate that part but um other than that man it's top level game right here resident evil 2 remake now there are some bonus modes uh the seventh survivor the lost survivor something like that little timed gauntlet same with tofu and then they added some more little time gauntlets but they didn't add mercenaries and it would have been perfect for this mercenaries with this gameplay would have been a dream come true i'm surprised there's not a uh, i've said this when i saw the bonus modes um i would like to see a open world game of zombies like you do have to survive but resident evil mechanics Ooh, like mixing the herbs and all that oh yeah like imagine actually like being in an open world but at like you know just like the simple zombie stuff but i feel like resident evil the remake for two that engine's just really good oh and re- re- engine mode, is perfection yeah it's like i would love to see a whole survival open world game but resident i guess in the universe of resident evil i guess oh, like yeah. surviving inside raccoon city dude re engine is so good that they used it for devil may cry 5 i mean it, it, that's see I thought that's what they did because I was like, it looks like the RE engine. Yeah. I did not know that, but I had a like a hunch that I was like, that has to be the Resident Evil engine because it just looks really good. Oh, and can we also talk about here the menus in, in RE2 Remake? The menu, the item menu is very slick. Lots of good tactile feedback from the noises and clicks and sounds and everything. But then you look at the map and the map is so good. That it tells you what items are in what room that you've seen. It tells you when you've cleared out a room by making it blue. It makes you. It makes it feel like the game is helping you not to waste your time. It's very respectful of your time. You could finish a run four hours in this. Four hours if you're, you know, exploring a little. Um, you can get it down to under two hours, as I think I had to do once for the the plat. I think my favorite thing about the game is. Yes, you can't hold on to everything, but they have that uh, infinite chest that is in every like save state of the oh, game. Oh yeah, the, the where box you can, you can store an item. Yeah, you can store an item, and then you can come back to it later if you know what it is for. Like, oh, I don't know what this is, or it looks important. Let me store it away. Very rarely do you have to throw an item away. Sometimes you might, but you could throw away like a gunpowder or something. You won't run out of bullets if you're not trying to defeat every zombie. As a matter of fact, it's Resident Evil Two. You shouldn't. You should hardly be shooting anything. If we're being honest here. Yeah, it's... I mean, with PC, a little jealous at their frame. Obviously, the knife damage is tied to the frame. Oh, yeah, for the speed runs. They can, like, destroy bosses with just the knife alone. You can legit beat the game with just the knife. But, 
I do like, and I was going to mention this, that with items, if you use it and it has a check mark next to it, that means uh-huh. the game will tell you basically like, you can just get rid of it. You don't need it anymore. Basically saying you will never need this in any part of the game. It's done for. You don't like you throw it, put it in the chest, throw it away. It doesn't matter because you won't ever need it in a later part of the game. So I really like that because sometimes you'll see an item like, do I need this or do I not? The game will tell like, no, you don't need it. If it has a check mark, you just get rid of it. All these awesome, cool features that they added, that they tweaked and perfected in just a glorious, not just a remake, but a game. The question here is, did they ride too close to the sun? Are they going to be able to top it? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they can. I think, two, the theme, the characters, maybe different gameplay could top it, but I just think... The multiple it's not runs. Just solely gameplay. Yeah, like the characters, the theme of it, the location, the time. I think everything just works super well with that game. I think obviously the gameplay might be better in different games, but it's probably the I don't mm, you it's know the best I, RE's so, ever been. I don't. I'm never doubtful. I always hope there's always something better. I always want something better, but I think RE2 would always be that classic that would just be like, yeah, there might be better games out there, but it is that classic where it has everything you want. So then with that in mind, Resident Evil 3 Remake came out this year, kind mm-hmm. of taking a similar approach as far as gameplay goes, except, you know, RE3 is a little more action-packed, a little more movement is involved, a little less slow-paced moments like RE2 had. Um, also a great game. Wonderful game. Jill is awesome. The costumes are awesome. The gameplay is virtually the same. Menus, maps, virtually the same. Um, this time you're running from Nemesis, who is like a like a really fast version of the Tyrant or Mr. X, we could call him, but in more scripted moments. So it's not like a something that's stalking Jill the whole time. It shows up for you know brief moments. I think there's one time that it might show up unprompted, but usually it's prompted by cutscene or fanfare, and it's usually to drive the plot forward. Um, this one does not have multiple playthroughs. And I've beaten this game uh, in under an hour, I want to say. Going through with the Infinite Rocket Launcher, I think I've done it in under an hour. It's a great game. The problem is there's not a whole lot to do. I mean, even Capcom adding some new costumes would would get me to replay this again. Because it's easy to pick this up and play it. You've played it and you got through like half the game in one uh, share play session. Yeah. I mean, it is also it is pretty scary too. It's not it is very action based compared to the second one, but yeah. it does have that scary moment. Like I said in the sewer, I did not expect that like fish monster at all. Oh yeah, so it's got its moments, me. but um, it's short. It's very it's a very good game. It's well made, but it's just like I beat it six times over the weekend it came out to get the plat, and I was left kind of wondering what else there was to do in this you know full priced game so before we get on to what else there is to do in this full priced game i will just say that this resident evil 3 make continues the trend of capcom making very competent remakes there's some cut things that i guess people weren't too happy that got cut like you know the clock tower from the original resident evil 3 got cut and you know it gives me hope that look if you remade resident evil 4 like this might might work its way up that greatest of all time list but um resident evil 3 all that's left to do after you plat it is play resident evil resistance 
Uh, I think it's safe to say that we weren't a fan of it. I played the demo. I wasn't uh, a fan of it. I was not a fan. I I have the full game, and I'm not a fan of it. Like I think this is a sixty dollar purchase that was basically just a thirty dollar main game and a thirty dollar uh, multiplayer game. When I wish I could have kind of bought the single player for thirty dollars. Yeah, I think it's a safe bet because it's not the length of two; it's a little bit shorter. So I think they justified it with oh, but it has an online mode. But I don't think it hit. Well, the mark two has four playthroughs it. too. Yeah, I don't. Know. It, I guess it just didn't hit the mark. I don't think it's what people wanted from Resident Evil Three. I yeah. think they should have had a. I I I don't know. The story is good, but I don't justify the sixty dollar price for it because I didn't like the online. And no. then when the demo came out, I was like, I'll wait till it's like thirty twenty bucks because I just want to play the story. Yeah, so the Resident Evil Resistance is an asymmetrical multiplayer, which is popular. It's in things like Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, The Game, Doom Eternal has it. Something else has it, but I digress. It's not, it's kind of like a messy mode where someone's playing as a mastermind and trying to like attack the four survivors who are trying to escape, and it's just, it's chaotic and finding a match was hard in the beginning and i just you know what it made me think of uh mercenaries yeah it made me think of why couldn't they have brought back mercenaries or better yet online mercenaries this is just a it's just microtransaction well there's not microtransactions you can buy like experience boosters i think and it costs so much in-game currency to buy the costumes and everything and there's so many cool costumes for jill that aren't in the main game it's just <sighs> I think that's the worst thing ever. Uh, examples like GTA Five Online, all these cool cars and guns and all these cool things that you can customize and all this great stuff, only on the online mode though. Yeah, you can't like use it in single player. Yeah, it's something that I'm very disappointed in because it's just like if a game is, example GTA Five is a single player base game but they're treating it like it's an online thing now so it's like resident evil is a single player game and then to add these costumes that are really cool but only for the online kind of is just a big downer and you know i here's the here's the saving grace here for me resident evil 3 remake is amazing Mm -hmm. i love it it's one of the best games i've played this year resistance that came with it did exactly that it came with it the cool thing about it is that they are separate downloads they are separate trophy lists so your enjoyment of resident evil 3 doesn't necessarily have to be impacted by resistance you don't have to do anything in resistance to be able to complete and enjoy resident evil 3 you don't even have to look at it or download it and i think that is something that a lot of single player games that have multiplayer components going forward should do i feel like if they do last of us part 2 multiplayer they're going to make it into a separate thing and not you know, part of the not having to download a whole other client just for just for the game. I mean, I know Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer, is, the co-op is is on there, but that's not such a that's not such a far cry from the game itself. And also, it's not a whole it wasn't a whole big download. So, I like the separation in Resident Evil Three. I think with that, it it kind of reminds me of Modern Warfare because with Modern Warfare. The story and the multiplayer are, are, I mean, they're gigabytes worth. I mean, hundreds of gigabytes. But doesn't it force you to download all of them? 
It used to, but I heard the PC version, you're able to uninstall. Say you want to just play story mode, you can just uninstall that multiplayer mode. If you mm-hmm. want to just play multiplayer, you can uninstall the story mode, which I think games need to do that. If you're like, I'll play the story mode first, but then I like the multiplayer, but at the same time, you need to have the story mode installed. I like that it gives you the option, just like, well, if you want to just play the multiplayer, you can uninstall the story mode. Vice versa. And I really hope games do that. Like, let's say GTA Five. I don't think it would be... Like I said, things are getting bigger and bigger by gigabytes. But mm-hmm. obviously, getting storage expansion is not, like, I would say cheap. I mean, like, I bought a 2 terabyte hard drive for my PS4, but it was like 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you could just like, oh, yeah, let me go get a hard drive and, you know, all this stuff. It's not easy. You really have to think about, well, how much space do I need? How much of this stuff I need? So I do like that it does give you the option to be like, well, I don't like the story like the multiplayer you can play that i don't like the multiplayer just like story and it, it is its own separate thing i don't like when online trophies are tied into single player trophies oh yeah that's kind of I, I mean it's hit or miss but a lot most of the time like with doom eternal the multiplayer trophies really took me for a uh threw me for a loop when i was trying because i i got the plat in doom eternal but there were some multiplayer trophies that i was just like why do i have to get this many kills in battle mode it's like uh example another zombie game from capcom uh dead rising Uh the first one is all single player trophies that i felt so satisfied achieving i felt so satisfied getting that platinum but with two i stopped my platinum run because it has online trophies and the problem with online trophies when they're tying to single player trophies is that tough luck if you you know if the servers are down it's not that popular anymore no one really plays them you know maybe it's just a broken lobby i would say like black ops 2 there's online trophies but obviously let's say the someone hacking on there it's going to be a rough time getting those online trophies and sometimes they're gone example last of us on ps3 servers are down you can't get them anymore so it's twisted metal yeah, it's like, I, I hope it's now a thing where they separate the online from the single player. Because it sucks that, let's say, you're just that one trophy away, but you're just one month off, and they, you know, discontinued the servers a month ago, and you're just like, I was one month off. Or no one plays the server, so you're waiting there hours on end, and then no one just joins. And you're just like, well, I'm stuck, not because the servers are down, but just no one wants to play it. Yeah, and at the same time, like, the Resident Evil 3 apps are different. It's like you could have sold them separately or made Resistance a free-to-play game or something. Mm-hmm. It's just like Resident Evil 3 needed some more content, I think, to justify the price. I I paid full price for it. I think I bought the Deluxe Edition, honestly, because I'm onto the costumes. But, you know, I really like the single-player game. I'll play it again one of these days, but just the, the multiplayer left a little bit of a bad taste. So let's hope... Yeah. I know 8 won't do it, probably. I'd be surprised if 8 did it. Well, let's hope in the future we get some mercenaries back in here. I mean, for for me, I don't think buying full-price games are solely... I mean, Destruction All-Star is a multiplayer-only game. There's no... I would say there's no release, like, single-player mode. Yeah. That That's why it doesn't justify the $70 price. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, multiplayer games don't need to be full-price games if they're only multiplayer. No. Because you know what? There's always the risk that the player base is going to drop. That's why Star Wars Squadrons, I think, was $40. Because, the, you know, they, they, they had that thought. Maybe the player base will drop. So it's not going to be $60. Something like... Um, Overwatch. Fall Guys. Was Overwatch? So Overwatch was, was 60 bucks when it came out. Mm. 
I think Siege was in the beginning was full yeah. price, but they you can get Siege for ten bucks nowadays. Now. Yeah, they go on sale frequently, so it is like a ten dollar game. But I feel like for now on, I feel like if your game is solely based on multiplayer, I think I hate to say, it, but Fortnite does kind of pave the way of how multiplayer games are played now, where battle passes, skins, and all this stuff like where you can get your profits back but you don't have to make it a full price 60 dollars game for me example i bought siege at good like 40 bucks so i'm a little hesitant to buy a skin but if siege was like free to play or even like i said 10 bucks i would have no problem buying a skin that was like maybe 20 bucks that's what i mean it's like if it's solely multiplayer it shouldn't be a full price game because you can't sell skins to people like that a lot of people would just be kind of turned off from that I think what we're getting at here is that the real survival horror is the the navigating the world of online multiplayer microtransactions and skins and all that. See, this is Resident Evil. It's supposed to be, you know, scary, fun, good, you know, maybe five to six hour experience. And it is. But, you know, you have all this stuff on top and you're like, thankfully you can ignore it. Yeah. Hashtag bring back mercenaries. <laughs> <laughs> On that question, what is... So we, we established that two remake is our favorite Resident Evil. Uh-huh. But what is your favorite moment and also what is your scariest moment of any of the Resident Evil games? If you want to go like one by one or you just want to go just like, yeah, this is the one that scared me the most or this was the best moment. I think the best for me is in 3 Remake mm-hmm. when that rocket launcher case drops onto the ground and all the like screws shoot off of it and nemesis grabs it i thought that was the coolest thing i've seen in in a resident evil game as for scariest moments um i don't know it's not super duper scary series for me but the liquors in resident evil 2 uh in the laboratory area that popped up out Mm -hmm. of nowhere and there was like two or three of them in one room completely nuts so what about you uh i say best moment uh i would have to say my favorite moment i guess when you're finding it was a g2 and you have to use the crane into oh yeah that's a great that's a great that's a really good boss fight yeah and then my scariest moment is two it's i've said it before we've had it in the beginning of october the scariest thing and the non-scary or something that was just really scaring out of nowhere it was in resident evil 3 when <laughs> i was in the sewers oh and like yeah. i said i see something <laughs> in the corner of my eye and i'm like oh, oh what is that and it's like just right in front of me and i just like scream i'm like <gasps> and i'm just like i'm out of breath I'm, screaming, I'm like what the heck and then it just gets me i know and that was pretty funny though I'm, I'm, glad, was like I'm glad I didn't say anything because, man, I was about to. I was about to say, oh, yeah, there's those lizard things right there. So watch out for those. But I was like, yeah. you know what? You know what? Let's, let's let you experience some of the Resident Evil terror. Yeah, I think what also uh, made it, too, was I said, man, I was looking like Resident Evil 2 old gameplay footage and there's like giant spiders. So I was like, oh, I wish they had something like that in the sewers. And you're just like, well, you'd be surprised. And I think you were going to tell me, but when I said that, I think you were just like, no, I'm just going to keep it a secret. And Resident Evil 3 has giant spiders, too. I don't like those. Yeah. They're weird. And then uh, and then 2 is the first time you're the liquor when you go inside a room and you have to use like a, a C4 bomb on a like a oh, barricaded yeah, yeah, yeah. door. And when you explode it, I did not expect the liquor to come off from behind me. And I'm just like, same thing. I like It scared me. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I pause. Every time something like that happens, I either pause the game or I just let it kill me. Because I'm just like, well, 
I'm super shocked at what's just going on right now. Yep. So, guys, that was a look at some of the Resident Evil games we've played. Um, great series. We'll see how 8 turns out. And we'll, there's a rumored remake of 4 that's happening. And we'll, we'll see how it all goes from there. Let's just hope it uh, doesn't reach the level of shark jumping that Resident Evil 6 had. So we'll leave you with that little bit of despair. And we'll also say Happy Halloween. Ah, well, it just goes to show you, kitties. You can jump the shark, or you can get eaten by it. <laughs> Once the story of Resident Evil got back to its survival horror roots, you could say that it took off again. Took off like a couple of zombie limbs, that is. <laughs> and Capcom has proven that a strong remake can really the competition in the modern day with Resident Evil 2 being one of the most highly serrated games of the generation well there's certain unnecessary modes and modes that we wish were brought back it seems like the series is stepping in the right direction and on that note kiddies another round of Among Us is starting and it's like I always say, kiddies, the real Maximo, ghosts to glory, was the fiends we made along the way. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Boo! <laughs> <laughs>